When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Italian podcast. We've got a bit of a different episode this week with it being the international break. There's not much football to talk about. So we thought we would take this opportunity to cover a topic that we've wanted to talk about in depth for a while. And to help us do that, we have John from NUFC Against Sports Washing. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah no, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Um, so I'm just going to get straight into it. We've been talking for a while on Twitter, had a few interactions. Now, obviously, Twitter is possibly the worst place to be on the internet. Um, I think we've all been involved in arguments on there. Um I wanted to start with, how did your campaign start and what was the idea behind it? Okay, well, in my case, it started on the day of the, the takeover. You know, I'm a I'm lifelong Newcastle fan. I've been living in different places with my with my job, but I go to Newcastle quite a lot. But I was watching it from afar and I remember like, feeling a bit uneasy. I was very, very happy, you know, that, that got rid of Ashley, mm-hmm. ecstatic, exactly. Uh, but uh, well, I saw people sort of dressed up in Arab gear, Saudi gear, and I saw a few uh, Saudi flags. And I thought, there's something wrong here, you know. So mm-hmm. immediately I, I started, I wrote a couple of articles, you know, for for fanzines saying uh, I just didn't think it had a future and states shouldn't be taking over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, football clubs. And independently, I, I saw a guy on um, on Twitter with a Twitter uh, handle, uh, No Saudi Tune. Tune meaning town and Geordie, our mm-hmm. dialect. And uh, so I got together with him. And then it was during the, actually it was during the um, pandemic. So it was hard to have uh, sort of face-to-face meetings. But we had some uh, online ones. First one, about 25 people, uh, a lot of people interested. And it's just taken off from from there. You know, it's uh, it's been a, a long, long journey. We're all like ordinary fans. And mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing what we've what we've been able to uh, uh, achieve. But I think the main the main thing was just to put a marker down to say that look, unlike when Manchester City got taken over by uh, Abu Dhabi State, that there are a group of Newcastle fans, mm-hmm. uh, and we've got an echo in the wider sort of fa- fan base who don't believe there's a future, you know, for having you know bloody dictatorships and those you know nation states owning mm-hmm. football clubs. You know, well, honestly, it's fantastic to see because I think. W- personally, when I did see the reaction to the, like the Newcastle fans' reactions to the takeover, it's perfectly understandable. I think a lot of it, like, as you said, the Mike Ashley era was particularly grim for Newcastle in general. And I can see why there was that like outpouring of relief, but I did see, I did feel uncomfortable alongside it, along alongside a lot of it also. But if we talk, do you think the fact that Mike Ashley and his ownership was so controversial and so 
kind of damaging to the club. Do you think that kind of laid the way for the new owners to be welcomed more than owners have been at other clubs, potentially? Well, I, I don't think the majority of fans sort of realised the implications. You know, and as I said, I think there was just an outpouring of joy that Ashley went. But, you know, an interesting um, sort of aspect to it was I was involved in a sort of like, um, you know, a, a, a low level, but I, I did speak at a, a demonstration mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, about um, fan ownership because the the... There was a there was quite a movement against Ashley, like you know, actually demos. You imagine, you know, football fans yeah, having yeah. demos from Sports Direct shop to 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 the ground, and it was over two things. It was over the mismanagement, uh, you know, the lack of ambition, but also it was linked to the zero hour uh, contracts. You know, the way remember the way he treat his um, workers, you know, he turned up with a big wad of money and all that, and the workers were getting terrible. So you know, th- th- there was a campaign which linked up with the local trade unions. There was a banner in uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. in, in St James's Park, Sports Direct Shame. Uh, then you know, as I said, we had a couple of couple of demos, and we were talking about alternative uh, ownership. So, well, one of the things that we thought right from the beginning: look, if we can um, protest against Ashley. His mismanagement, but also his, you know, the way he treat the his uh, work, uh, workers. So, you know, Castle's a very working class area. You know, high level of trade unionism. If we can do that, why can't we? Uh, why can't we um, protest against the uh, Saudi state? You know, which mm-hmm. is the, one of the bloodiest regimes uh, on the uh, uh, on the planet. And that's what sort of um, one of the main points that we've made in the campaign because every single um, fan group, official ones. Uh, like NUS Trust, uh, war flags, you know, do the flag displays, mm-hmm. but also councillors and MPs. All of them said that uh, being taken over by the Saudis wouldn't stop them talking about human rights. Well, unfortunately, that hasn't happened. And, th- and this why- is what you have to keep reminding, uh, reminding fans, but also, mm-hmm. I think, importantly, the political representatives as well, you know? Yeah, well, no, definitely, definitely. And why do you, why do you think that is? Because I think for a lot of fans... Like who don't support Newcastle United, it's it is pointed out that people were perfectly happy to protest the zero hour contracts, but now things are more serious. Less people are happy to. Why? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because it's as simple as there's more success on the field, there's more exciting football, or do you think there's a deeper meaning or deeper issue behind that? You know, we found out a lot of things during the the campaigning. Okay, so Mm -hmm. for example, we orientated first towards the fanzine editors, you know, the fanzines and the official uh, groups. And one of, one of the things that came out was that a lot of the, um, the, I don't know what you would say, almost like the gatekeepers of fan public opinion, like, the, you know, the fanzines, sort of started saying, well, what can we do? There's no alternative. And basically, uh, you know, what's the phrase there? Worshipping the accomplished fact. Okay, the Saudis have taken over. And then, so we, we sort of realised that there was there's a you know a small minority, which is a grown minority, us you know who, who say that there's no future for bloody dictatorship zone in football clubs. And then there's like unfortunately another my, uh, my minority, and I have to say it is a minority, but fans who are prepared to um, prepared to support uh, the Saudi Saudi mm-hmm. owners, they're prepared to actually echo. And it's one of the things that we say is unacceptable. For example, yeah. I'll just give an example. We uh, you know we, we publicise. Um, the cases of uh, Saudis. There's a, a young girl at the moment, 18, but she was 17 when she was arrested for, for tweeting in favour of human rights. And she was given, in, in a terrorist court, think about this, in a terrorist court, she was given 18 years in prison. An 18-year-old is facing 18 years in prison. We publicised that. And then you get like bots and trolls coming on yeah. saying um, she's a terrorist. 
the unfortunate thing is we know that comes from Riyadh, that comes from the from the Saudis. But there's there's a layer of Newcastle fans who repeat it, repeat it, a small minority. But then what you to answer the question, the vast majority of fans are in the middle and they sort of say, Of course, you know, we support human rights. But we so we say, Well, why don't you say something? Why don't you why don't you say it? And I think the reason is if it's conscious or unconscious, we don't know. But a lot of fans are happy. You know that Newcastle are doing really well. Yeah. You know we've got um, you know great players um, in the in the Champions League, and so that I think it's unspoken, but it's, it's a bit of an unspoken pack. But if the fans do uh, do what we think they should do, is like have a banner supporting that young girl, supporting the nine young lads who are on on death row. If we do that, then the then the Saudis will think twice about. Um, about uh, you know staying at staying at Newcastle, and I think that has to be tested out. We have mm-hmm. to we have to do it, you know. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Because this is one of the things that when when a, when a deal like this happens, one of the um, excuses is kind of like when Qatar was given the World Cup, right? It's like, oh, by doing this, we will affect rule and change in that country. Jordan Henderson said the same thing about going to Saudi Arabia, right? You can believe that as much or as little as you like. Um, do you think that if Newcastle fans were able, if you were able to get more vocal, if you were able to be more demonstrative with this, that the owners would change how, or would change not change how they think, but would be more worried about their perception? Do you think you would be able to affect change? Well, that that that's a, that's a sort of um, uh, the lane of some of the mm-hmm. politicians. Okay, and this is another. Uh, Another question. We're, you know, we're not really you're not criticizing with fellow fans because I, I think you know a normal fan would sort of say, "Well, look, my local MP, my local councillor doesn't say anything about it, and it's there's only like one or two have actually uh, said anything, and most of them just keep the keep their mouth shut, even though they said they would say something uh, 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 before." So this thing about um, will, you know, will it change? Will it uh, will all in Newcastle change the Saudi state? Okay, let's look look at the facts. That was actually put forward by um, by the fanzines, also, but you know, by by MPs. Well, what's happened since MBS has come into power? I think it was in two thousand and seventeen. Actually, things have got worse. You know, all mm-hmm. all the human rights uh, Saudi human rights groups say that there's been more executions, more people uh, uh, jailed for uh, for treating. And you know, who 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 has been highlighted? Basically, they're going for young people and young women, uh, young mm-hmm. women especially. And the, 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 why are they doing that? You have to think about why. Why, why are the you know the the spending money? They want to have the World Cup and all. But why? Why are they attacking young people and especially young women? Well, it's obviously their fear of revolution. You know, it's, yeah. you just see what's happened in Iran. You know, with yeah. the rising of the the, the women. So. It's a lot of fans. Oh, keep politics out of uh, out of football. Well, unfortunately, it was the Saudi state who brought politics, their politics, yeah. to 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 to, to, to So, uh, as as regards changing, I would think it's a case of the tail wagging the dog. Really, it's yeah, the, yeah, basically yeah. the Saudi state um, uh, politics has infected Tainside. I'll give a mm. the the best example is recently we we invited. Uh, Saudi human rights activist um, Lina Alathaw, and she, her sister was one of the leaders of the, uh, the 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 campaign to get women driving. She was a leader, even though they the, the gave that concession. She was arrested, unfortunately, uh, you know, tortured, abused in prison, and I think now now she's on like uh, house arrest. Lina came to Tainside. She wrote, 
uh, along with us to every single council, 78 Newcastle councils. She wrote to all the MPs. You know how many uh, said they would meet her? Three. Three. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. What one MP said, uh, I'll do it in secret, but I don't want anyone known. Me and I got up at the meeting. We had a protest meeting. And there was like fans there, and there was, you know, a, a, some some a small number of councillors. And she said, "If I'd come here three years ago, I would have had meetings all day." And she said, "Why are you afraid to stand next to me?" Now I think that is a very very telling thing, and it's, it shows it's not just about football; no. it's political. It, she she made the point. She said, "You know, this is not going to stop. They've got end, you know, bottomless pockets." She said, "If you if you've been censored, if you think." That you can't meet Saudi human rights activists just because your team is doing uh, doing well. What are you going to do when Mohammed bin Salman buys local newspapers, mm-hmm. buys radio stations? You know, we, we we've got, you know, we've got we've got some restrictions, but at least we've got the right to say what we think. Yeah, and and we're actually not using it. That's the mm. problem on Tyneside, you know? And I think the similar thing happened in Manchester as well with, with City, you know? Well, this is what we I wanted to go on to next because obviously with the Man City deal, they it's since come out that there was huge land deals at cut prices and they've they've redeveloped oh. a lot of Manchester and they've now, I'm, I'm from nearby Manchester and I've got friends who live there and now the property market is insane and the, like the whole city has changed completely because of that. And some people would argue for, for the better, some people would argue for the worse. Is it something that you worry about with Newcastle, about how much influence they could eventually eventually have over the city? Well, this is a, a fact. A lot of fans say, and I, and I understand this completely, but they say, you know, Newcastle or the Tyneside is very, has been a depressed area, lost mm-hmm. all the basic industry. My dad worked, you know, in, in engineering. He was a turner. All those sort of factories have closed, the shipbuilding, the mines and all that. So, well, we need investment. But we, we would come back and say, well, you know, should we be relying on one of the bloodiest, uh, dictatorships in the world for things to get better in our, our country. It's pathetic. You know, we should be looking for other ways of change. But what I would recommend uh, to any fan listening to this to, to go to the um, an organisation called Fair Square. Mm-hmm. Fair Square are like um, a, a Middle East cam- campaign uh, which is in favour of, you know, human rights, workers' rights. And they published a report called uh, Easy Cities to Buy. Okay? And it's a comparison between what happened in Manchester and what's happening in Newcastle. And the point that they make was that there's a lot of talk about investment, investment. When you really analyse it, what has it been? You know, they've built these uh, uh, yuppie flats. One of the, pro- the problems in Manchester has been that local councils got taken up with the idea, oh, we're going to get money and all that. And they, they sold off the land too cheaply, yeah. too cheaply. And then they, 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 they just gave it away. And unfortunately, it looks like, you know, the reaction of the councillors and the MPs seems like a similar thing uh, could happen. We've been asked to say, oh, well, you know, what, what will you do if, they, if they're investing? Well, what's what's the investment? It's very, there's a lot of talk about it, but we, we haven't heard of much. Mm-hmm. There's one little thing they're going to do around, around the, the strawberry, I think, strawberry, okay. around the strawberry uh, place where, the, where in front of the, uh, the pub, a, fa- a fan zone. But there's there's very, very little. And also, we would throw back the question, um, do you really expect... Uh, a dictatorship to have the best interests of, of, of uh, working class people, uh, you know, it, 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 to heart. Do you think, think that's what they're, what they're going to do? Look at the way they're treating the, the, the Saudi state yeah. in the NEOM uh, uh, project. They've got this project, uh, 2030. Basically, they're, they're uh, stealing land from, the, from people who, li- who live there. People who protest against it, 
a whole uh, there's a family uh, two have already been killed and then three three uh, brothers who are from a Huati tribe, tribe, I think they're called, and it's their land, and they just basically uh, send the army in, you know, the police, mm-hmm. get rid of them. They've protested. They're on death row. Yeah. You know, you know, is that the kind of um, people we want investing in our region? You know, mm-hmm. we've got to be, you know, we've got to be honest about it. It's, it's, uh, it's deplorable, absolutely yeah. deplorable. You know? No, it is. It is disgusting. And so that's the that's the project. Is that the Line City? The city. Yeah, yeah the, mega the, line, city, right? the mega city. Mega city. Mega city. Yeah, the the stories around that are horrific. And I think yeah. so. Going to like the the Newcastle councillors and stuff that you wrote to, or the Tyneside councillors that you wrote to, and this is where it gets really interesting as well. Is that the Boris Johnson was directly involved yes. within the within yeah. the negotiations for the sale of the club? Right, he was very pro the idea um, of of Saudi Arabia. Um, investing in the country so do like this is as big a problem as we've seen within states buying clubs and i think that's what makes it different to maybe when abu dhabi bought city right is that all politicians were directly involved in it well i I think you know obviously the british government but not not really representing the british people because they're representing ba system ba Mm -hmm. systems the the arms industry that's who they, they represent and Basically, you know, MBS told Boris Johnson, uh, you know, it, it was in his interest to, to to push it through. And it's all come out, you know, Adam Grafton in the in the mm-hmm. Athletic uh, published the article. It's clear that the government was involved, even though they de- uh, deny, uh, deny the use of oh, this trade agreements, etc. But we know what they, what they did. So that's another question. You know, uh, Newcastle, Tyneside, so, solid labour. Do we really want, you know... Like, on, on the recommendation of uh, the disgraced, you know, liar Boris Johnson, do we want do we want that that sort of investment? But one of the things that's happened with us, you know, just ordinary Newcastle fans, the more we've campaigned, we've sort of realised that um, despite what some Newcastle fans say, fans of other clubs are not jealous of Newcastle. You know, we have to be humble. We haven't won anything. You know, we're doing yeah. well. We're playing well. Looks good. You no, know, that sort of stuff. We haven't won anything uh, mm-hmm. uh, yet. And the, after. Uh, Personally, as a fan, Newcastle fan, you tone down a little bit of the, you know, the arrogance, you know, about it. And this idea that it's all going to be plain sailing. Okay, well, you know, we're going to be like like uh, Man City. You know, the, the point I made before about um, Saudi Arabia and the political aspect, uh, it's it's an unstable country, really. It, it, it yeah. gives the impression, because it's got all this money, but that anything could happen. You know, it, it could fall apart. One of the points that um, the Saudi uh, human rights activist, Lena made, she said, Nobody in Saudi Arabia has been asked if they want to spend millions on Tonali, for example. You know, nobody asks them. No, nobody asks ordinary uh, Saudis about this. Um, you know, the, the half a billion, half a billion that they've spent on uh, on Newcastle. She said, "Wouldn't we would prefer the money to be spent on infrastructure in Saudi Arabia? There is, you know, they, they haven't even got basic infrastructure in many, in many." Uh, in many places, and yet they're building this massive uh, mega city. Mm-hmm. And the other point as well, we talk about we talk about the Saudi uh, Saudi government. Okay, it's not not elected; it's a dictatorship. But more than that, it's a royal family. It's 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 a family, you know, yeah. basically. So this idea that it's all oh, the Saudi people you know, they're invested in in Newcastle. No, it's a royal family who are doing it uh, for you know sports washing, prestige, soft power. Uh, uh, reasons. But what I was going to say is that we have been contacted by a lot of fans. In fact, we're in touch with Man United fans 
who were against uh, Qatar taking over. We did a joint statement uh, with them. They did a, uh, a protest. But a lot of fans, it's not, not that they're jealous of what Newcastle are, are doing. They just don't think that there's a future for mm-hmm. nation-state ownership. We had a meeting, actually, with the, um, along with the Manchester United fans, um, well, noted uh, sports washing in, in um, uh, Man- Manchester United, but a meeting with the shadow um, minister, the Labour, for, um, for media and sport. We went through every single point, every single one, about uh, uh, the owners and directors test that should be toughened up, it should exclude uh, nation states, it should, should include, uh, have a human rights element. Every single point, and he said, I can't, this is the final thing, is, I can't disagree with anything that you, that, that you said, right? So we said, so we said to them, the Man United fans says, well, um, uh, are you going to implement it when you get in power? Or it'll not be a priority? Well, our message, you know, to, to, to Labour or, you know, Labour councils on Tyneside and, and around the countries, and also football fans, let's make it a priority. Because yeah. I, I think that if we don't, or we think as a campaign, that if we don't make a stand against that, you know, Saudis owning Newcastle, or Abu Dhabi owning Manchester City, it's going to ruin football, mm-hmm. you know? And he said, also, we've had, we've got you talk to yourselves, you know, the Anglo Italian, but we've been in touch with uh, German fans, French, uh, French fans. Um, so fans around Europe actually are concerned about this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, it is it is very concerning because, and and it's why I ultimately don't really hold anything against Newcastle fans or City fans because all we want as football fans is for our team to do well. When we yeah. win, it feels good, and like you can't. It's not your fault who's bought your club, right? This is the authorities. This is the government that have been involved. So we've because you you said you've looked at the the owners fit and proper test kind of in detail. What were the main talking points within that meeting and what were the, the main things that you wanted to change beyond let's make this a priority? What were the main, like, the missions? Well, I think we won the argument on, on the mm-hmm. question of uh, the moral argument that basically um, these states are, ba- you know, want to get into buying football clubs to improve their uh, image. You know, we can have a little debate about that, but it's it's true. You know, yeah. um MBS, Mohammed bin Salman said the other day, I don't care about sports watching. A lot of you guys are like, oh, look, see, it, it's not important. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? That's yeah, the kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. You know, that they're, they're going to try and get the World Cup in 2034. Uh, uh, so we won that argument. And one of the, a, a guy from um, a United fan was, was pointing out, he said, you know, why did it go through? Why did they allow the, because the, there, there were doubts, you know, in, in some of the other clubs and all that. Is that one of the things that we forget is that the you know and we're not let, letting them off the hook, but you know the owners of other clubs are you know they're not nice people either. You know they, they, yeah. these are multi-millionaires, billionaires, and all the rest of it. You know, and some of them were thinking, well, hmm, if the, if Newcastle can you know sell for that for that amount, we could sell I don't know for example Arsenal or we could sell mm-hmm. Man- Manchester United. So probably they're looking for a payoff as well. They're looking for. Uh, a lot of money, you know, who, who's next? I don't know, uh, Qatar or, or another yeah, yeah. Middle Eastern country uh, uh, coming in. So in that meeting, we sort of made the point that if, you, if you're a football fan, you've got to like think ahead. So what's going to happen with football? We've seen with the Saudi uh, pro, pro, pro League, that is basically, you know, a Trojan horse, you know, because yeah, yeah, basically yeah. what they do, it's going to be like, they're going to distort the market. They get like, uh, you know, uh, um, Big players there, and they can lend them. They can they can do you know they can, they can do what they want. But basically, I think the idea is, 
Um, you imagine if you're if you're a dictator, dictatorship, you own your castle. Perhaps they don't do very well. Uh, would you accept being relegated? I, I don't think that's not their idea. I think their idea would be, you know, we've already had the European Super League. Do not think that they, they want to bring that in again. You know, mm-hmm. so they they want guarantee. But I think football has, you know, it came from working class. And it's got still got massive work working class roots. Do we really want to turn it into like some sort of um, you know power game between Middle Eastern uh, uh, states? You know, the the press had it really well. You know that the, the, as far as they were concerned, uh, the the recent uh, game between Newcastle and PSG it was seen as Saudi Arabia against Qatar. That, that was that was that was it. You know, is that what we want? Is that what you know? So. It's a big debate, but we have to look at like alternative ownership. You know, any we we would support anything that gave more uh, power to the fans. Yeah. You know, no, no, I know it's not perfect, but the Bundesliga, you know, the fifty fifty percent plus one, that would be a step forward, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You know. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. And yeah. I think for a long time, the German model has kind of been like regular listeners to the pod will know I'm a big fan of the German model. Okay, right. I'm really, <laughs> I'm in favour of um, like fan ownership and fan control. When you see clubs in the lower leagues where the fans have got together and rescued the club and yeah. ran the club, it's always yeah. like you see it becomes again that community thing. But that Newcastle PSG game, it left me with such a hollow feeling after yeah. the game because it was fantastic to see Newcastle win 4-1, PSG terrible mm-hmm. again, great. <laughs> but after the game, I just thought, yeah, it did feel like we were watching political chess in front yeah. of us and these like these power games and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, um, if we talk about the club itself, um, so we if we talk about the, the people who are involved, so let's start with Amanda Staveley and um, Egg, Eggbad, right? Eggdad. Um, they've they've come out and been. They're very much the face. They're very much the people who are trying to put a friendly face on this. What are the perceptions of Amanda Staveley and um, and the bloke in general? Well, because I feel like they come. They don't come across particularly well. Well, you know, there's, there's some news just come come out, and it, it, the whole thing was quite murky. The deal, but basically, uh, Amanda Staveley was, was a fixer. She tried to get mm-hmm. uh, the Saudis to buy Liverpool. If you, if you remember, and they were told to to go away politely that they didn't they didn't want them. But uh, she's always been trying to like fix up these de- uh, these deals. But the Stavely's got ten percent as the Rubin brothers who are who are um, property de- mm. de- developers. Now it's just come out recently, um, but I think it was to, uh, yesterday in the news that Stavely has paid off. Listen to this, eh? this is amazing. She actually paid off a ten million debt that she had to Ashley, so she owed Ashley money. Now you, I can see your your reaction. To that. <laughs> wow! Right? Okay. You, know, you think it's confusing? You'll be more, even more confused now. What happened in the deal was that um, Ashley lent Stavely money to buy him out. Now, just think about what is behind that. It's just madness, you know. Yeah. And one of the agreements was the agreement was that they wouldn't speak badly of Ashley. So, like you know, there was the problem with the, with the sports director. Uh, signs and all that. And yeah, she did yeah. say something in an off-guard moment in a in a in an interview. And so so Ashley took her to court and he was asking for his, for his money back. Now the, the next question, you know, you always say follow the money. Where did the money come from for her to pay off her debt to, to Ashley? So that, that's the first thing. That's in, you know an incredible thing. The other thing is that we we think that the you know the Saudis uh, state, you know the royal family got the club. It's for prestige you know for prestige and all that. 
the, those internationals that they had, which was scandalous, absolutely mm-hmm. scandalous. Yeah. Like the, the council, until we got in touch and said, because the, gr- the ground is on release uh, to, to, from the council. It's owned by, you know, the people in New, uh, Newcastle. And we said, you, well, why, why aren't you saying anything? That the, you know, they said that it wasn't the Saudi state. And then they're having two internationals uh, in Newcastle. But we think that they're, you know, they're happy with the, the way it's gone. You know, they've got their names, they've got their sponsorship. The Rubin brothers are um, property developers and they've brought up quite a lot of land uh, already. We, th- we think, um, I-, I read somewhere that someone said that basically the, uh, the way um, the Saudi sing it was, it's like commission for, get- for getting the club. So the 10% that Stavely wow. and the Rubin brothers have got is like, well, yeah, you can deal with the, the land, you can de- you know, buy up stuff. They are, they are buying, buying up stuff. But you see, this is another thing. Ruben, the Ruben brothers, are massive, or the family are massive. Donate, uh, um, they donate a lot to the, have donated a lot to the to the Tory party. Of course they yeah, have. Again, that's of course massive, they have. <laughs> it's a massive con- uh, contradiction. Some fans are actually saying, uh, one of the one of the minority owners said, uh, because like all clubs, that there's a uh, food banks. Think about food banks in in this, this day and age, you know. But they have food banks outside the ground. One of the minority owners said, "Oh, we'll um, we'll double whatever's collected." It was like I think a publicity stunt. But <laughs> one of our guys wrote an article and said, "It's amazing, isn't it? It's actually donating to a to a food bank." But this guy is is the one donated to the party, which caused the the, the conditions that made we want to have <laughs> have to have food banks in the first place. So it's all you know, it's murky. It's a yeah. it's a murky. It's a murky business, but the point, the point I'm making about um, about these these owners, look look, it's um, the Saudi state or the runner. It's a kleptocracy, yeah. okay? That that's that, that technically that's what they they call them. It's it's not just the state; it's the you know the royal family. Do you think they're gonna have different business practices in in the in uh, the Premier League? Yeah. Nah, for them, for them, for dictators, there's no rules. They they mm. make the rules for themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely, completely. And then the other person in the club who's taken a lot of criticism, and I myself have criticised him quite a lot, um, is Eddie Howe. Now, obviously, there's not much that he... When it's your employers, you can't just start calling out and, you know, whistleblowing in press conferences. But do you think that there's um, justification when people say he should be doing more or he should he should at least be more open to who his owners are and not just kind of, it's not me, not my job, not my brief. Okay, well, the question of uh, Eddie Howe um, is that right at the beginning, he was asked, and I think correctly by journalists, what did he think about, you know, uh, working for, you know, basically the the, the Saudi, state, Saudi state. And he, he said, you know, we've got the quote there, he said, uh, I read The Guardian, I read The Times, but I haven't got the knowledge. Okay, I haven't got the knowledge to talk about. That was right at the beginning. Okay, two two years down down the line, has he not found out more uh, about it? Can he not make a, a comment? We we uh, we were approached by uh, this is you know a terrible um, thing that happens all the time in Saudi Arabia. We were approached by through the Saudi Human Rights Group um, about a young guy who was uh, on the run. He was in Morocco, and his family got in touch. And usually they don't use the names because it's terrible for you know for security and they could be punished. Now. But they were desperate. They were gonna extradite him from uh, from Morocco. So his family wrote a letter and they said, well, can you deliver it to Eddie Howe, you know, and, and the players? And what 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 they said, what, you know, Saudi human rights groups all the time write to Messi, 
because he's an ambassador, you know, yeah. for I don't know how many thirty million, thirty million dollars a year, um, and and to Ronaldo. Why do they do that? Because you know they're in a desperate situation. They're, you know, could be executed. They're in jail for thirty odd year, uh, thirty odd years, and they write to them. And that's them. now someone like um, was it Lewis Hamilton actually, you know, made a made a stand. You know, he went there, and he, yeah. but he said he said something. So we said, okay, we'll deliver the letter. We took the letter and we delivered it to, to the to the office. Not a peep, not a peep from from Eddie Howe. And he said, he said publicly, he said publicly, I'm only here to speak about football. Okay. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you know that there was a, the old um, uh, sycamore tree on yeah. the, and the Roman wall was chopped down. Okay. And he was asked in the, in the, in the, in the press conference and he made a point, point about, um, about um, the tree being chopped down. You know, he said it was really sad that he'd never been to the, he'd never seen the tree, but he thought it was really bad. You know, some people pointed out that he could talk about a tree being chopped down, but he couldn't talk about a journalist being chopped up, you yeah. know? So it's, you know, there's inconsistency, mm-hmm. inconsistency. We know as also that the young lads, most of them are, you know, in, in their early 20s, you know, like Tonali and, you know, they're young people, you know, they get, they get the chance of a lifetime, loads and loads of money. But, you know, we'll keep trying. The, the other the other um, person that we've been trying to get a comment out of is um, Alan Shearer. Okay. Now, Unlike other um, sports um, presenters uh, linked to Newcastle, he actually did say at the beginning that there were issues. It's like a euphemism. He said, Alan, you know, they're not issues. It's beheadings and jailings. That's what it is. They use a euphemism to say that. But he said there were uh, issues and he said it needs to be addressed. And when you talk about since then, it hasn't been talked about. But, you know, one of the things that happened was, if you remember, he was... um, he actually took action, solidarity, along with Ian Wright, for the, for his colleague, um, uh, Gary Lineker. So Gary Lineker's uh, right to free speech on Twitter was being, uh, was under threat by the, by the BBC or by, by the government. So we said, you know, we said we did, we sent a, a, a tweet to Alan or a number of tweets and, a, and we wrote an article about it and it said, if uh, Gary Lineker's right to free speech on Twitter is worth defending, what about uh, Salma al-Shabaab? What about Noor al-Qatani? Two women jailed for 34 and 45 years for one or two tweets in favour of, of, of human rights. See, we have to have consistency mm-hmm. uh, about these things. The, the, other, the other one, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but this has come up quite a lot. I mean, you, you have mentioned, you haven't asked us about this, but I think it's important. But the question of LGBTQ plus yeah. rights. Mm-hmm. There's a group at Newcastle called uh, uh, Newcastle um, United with Pride, okay, and they were criticised not by us, yeah, at, at first, but by a lot of other Pride groups around football. Says, why are you getting, um, you know, why are you allowing the club to use you? Because basically, they're part of the officially sort of, you know, the club uh, uh, publicity about uh, LGBTQ plus rights, and uh, they said, oh well, you know, the club's doing good things on this issue and we're, we're not going to say anything about it. So, you know, we, we've just, we've made, we've made the point to them that uh, does the, you know, those rights, do they end at St. James's Park? Do yeah. they end in Newcastle? You know, how can you have owners who are jailing um, gay people, trans people, you know, uh, women, how, how can you not say anything uh, about that? It's just inconsistent, you know? That is an incredible level of like compartmentalization. Yes, that is yes, an incredible yes. level of it. Yes. And it's really depressing whenever you hear these things because you want 
are you are you finding other supporters groups around that are starting to kind of like other Newcastle United supporters groups that are starting to join you, work with you, kind of come round to what you're saying? Well, it's 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 hard, right? Because it's true that the the success sort of makes people look a little bit the uh, uh, other way. But we, you know, we, we're not. Sometimes you get on Twitter, fans of other clubs like attacking on mass, you know, Newcastle fans saying they're all, you know, they don't want to know that, you know, they're going along with it. But you know, a lot, a lot of fans are are pulled in 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 in, in different ways. But I think that the problems right from the beginning because the people who who should have known better. Like the you know the like I said the gatekeepers of the fan public mm-hmm. opinion the fanzines but also local councillors and MPs they should have made a stand at the beginning and if they had the situation would have been uh, different but we, we had a, the meeting we had um, in September that we you know we, people came to the meeting who we'd never even met before and said people you know a couple of guys said that they'd given up their season tickets that they stopped going they couldn't take I think my, my, you know, can see my, my sort of generation you know you know sort of like brought up in Thatcher's Britain in the 1980s mm-hmm. is probably a lot like us, you know, think, well, you know, we, we, we just can't stand what's what's happened to the club, my generation. But, I, you know, the responsibility that we've got is to the younger fans. We we had a, a protest outside the international against uh, Costa Rica. Yeah. And um, that, that became quite controversial. It's just, short, just to explain how Newcastle fans think. But we did, you know, we did a protest and we, we'd be, on previous protests, we 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 Protest outside the Chelsea match to to, to commemorate um, the eighty one um, people who were beheaded in one day before we played uh, Chelsea, which is terrible. We did that, and we were threatened. You know, mm. we, we were threatened on social media. A lot of it's just social media talk. But they said, "Oh, you come, we're going to do this, we're going to do that," but nothing happened yeah. because most fans respect your right. We knew that was going to happen anyway. At the Costa Rica match, some um, how can we? Ex- <laughs> Uh, a content creator who yes. was close to the club came along with his mates and they had Saudi shirts on and they had like uh, flags, you know, Saudi, Saudi flags. And basically it was to disrupt the uh, the protest. And uh, what happened was we were doing interviews with with Italian TV, actually. <laughs> we're doing interviews with uh, BBC. It was like, look, we want to get our message out to my list. And we'd already in- been interviewed by this uh, this podcaster and he'd done like a hatchet job and were attacked with and all that sort of stuff. He said, no, we're going to talk to the press. We're not going to talk to you. And the one he was really annoyed with were, had a go at were. But these guys started um, basically shouting down an older guy who, yeah. who just joined the campaign. Anyway, the, the, it was it, it's all to do with the, you know, the, the, the technology, but they were taking like uh, film. And, anyway, they put a tweet up. He got 3.7 million views, okay, this, this tweet. And the tweet was, uh, they thought it was like we exposed the the protesters, blah, blah blah. Anyway, there was loads and loads of Newcastle fans came in and said this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. You're shouting down an old man, and what he was saying was was right. And it says you you are you are being ignorant. And the the, the problem is there's, there's a younger layer of uh, fans, not all of them, you know, but we haven't had the proper debate. We haven't had a proper discussion. So they just see it as like, well, you know, uh, the Saudis to come in, give her loads of money. So we do our best. You know, we do our best. We've got a fanzine. We've got a website. We've had three editions of the fanzine. We have meetings, you know, we're, we're active on, on social media, but um, about more people getting involved. Yeah. I think we are the ones who feel we're grown. You know, we, we feel like we're getting more, uh, more more support, but that incident at the um, at the Costa Rica match, the Saudi Costa Rica, shows in in a way um, what could 
happened, the bad part of it, but also shows the potential. Because yeah. most fans said, we've got the right to, yeah. to, to speak. Don't agree with them. Don't say there's any alternative. Like most, most Newcastle fans say, well, what's the alternative? You know, what, what can we do? You know, I think that's our job to sort of like say that there is an alternative to this, you know, there is, yeah. Well, exactly. I think the very the very least you can do is highlight the issues. Even if you think, look, I like no matter what I say, they're not going to sell the club. Whatever kind of defence you come up with, you, the least you can do is is criticise and talk about what what they're what's going on. Like, but you made an interesting point with the young fans and them seeing it as just because I I remember the tweet, I remember the video, and I think a lot of young people just saw it as like, oh. Um, the the influencer or the content creator won because he was louder, because he was shouting, yeah. right? He won the yeah. argument. Do you have a kind of strategy or a plan of how to get this message across to younger fans? Because obviously it's a bit of a sensitive topic, a lot of it as well. Yeah. Like, do you have a, a strategy of how you can get that message across to younger fans? I think, I think that's, a, that's a good point. And probably that's something that we need to look at now mm. because uh, it's clear that, um, you know, we, when we put out stuff, uh, you know, the fanzine's been quite successful. You know, we're just ordinary fans, but I, I'm quite proud of what the, the, mm. the campaign's actually achieved. But, you know, guys I didn't know before have done, like, brilliant articles. You know, I'd recommend you go to the, the website and, and download it. You can get it for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, some really, really good uh, material. But, yeah, probably we haven't got uh, reached... The younger fans, you know, and, and I think we have, everyone has a responsibility to say, look, we need a proper debate about this. You know, we, we've got a lot of plans of things that we're going to do, you know, a lot of uh, protests in the future, perhaps even like have a, a human rights sports washing conference in the new year in Newcastle. But definitely the, the side that you're, you know, that you mentioned there about reaching the young fans and having a proper debate, we need that needs to be done. You know, it needs to be done because, again, I'm confident that if, if, if the issues are put out in front of uh, football fans about the future of football and also about, you know, having human rights abusing um, regimes own, owning clubs, if they're put out fairly and, you know, in a sort of a democratic way, I think we could win the argument. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know it's shown that we are. So, I, um, for example, recently, uh, at that visit that we had from, from Lena, one of the things that came out of that is about uh, the role of the councillors. You know, obviously, you know, I said before that the the um, most fans said, "Well, if the councillors aren't saying anything, why should why should we?" But one of the things that came out, we we found out that uh, in Los Angeles, in Washington, they've got a street um, streets named after uh, Jamal uh, mm-hmm. Khashoggi. So we raised that idea and said, "Well, why don't we? You know, what, that, that could be like a point of campaigning." But you know, let, let's explain it like this. Okay, majority of Castle fans are against uh, the re- human rights abusing uh, regime, but don't see any alternative. Okay, let's start a campaign to get a street around St. James's Park named after Jamal Khashoggi. Wow. But it's not just him. You know, there's obviously hundreds, thousands of victims of the regime, but that would represent... Uh, it would make a break to sort to show that Newcastle or Tyneside is, is is a region that we don't agree with what the what the, the uh, what they're doing. Because if we don't if we don't make a stand like that, it'll just unfortunately you know you can see it outside of the Tyneside buzz, uh, bubble how Newcastle are perceived now. And not, you know this idea, oh they're jealous. You know I said before they're jealous. People aren't jealous. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot of fans are, are disappointed. You know about how Newcastle fans have, have, uh, have reacted to, uh, to this, and now wherever they go, they go to Europe, they go to different places. They're going to go to you know to Dortmund. 
I just saw it displayed Borussia's uh, last match. Brilliant display in English and German, and it's you know reclaim the game. Uh, you know, football's not about the billionaires; it's about the fans. Not imagine what re- response Newcastle are going to get when they go to uh, to uh, to Dortmund. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so you've got to be careful. You know, this, yeah. this idea. Oh, well, you know, we're not going to say anything about it. You have to say something, mm-hmm. as you said. You know, yeah, we have to make a stand about it. You know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm living in Milan, and I saw at the San Siro that there was um, kind of murals put up of Ronaldo holding the ball with blood pouring out of yes, it, and Mancini, saw, yeah. and like. I think a lot of Newcastle fans realise that it's not only in England that they're going to get criticism, that it's going to be everywhere they go now. Um, And yeah, as we said, in Europe and especially Germany, there seems to be a bit more of a, a stronger moral compass in general with fan movements and stuff. But, John, that has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you for talking to us. Okay, if we, well, when our listeners and viewers want to find out more about the campaign, where can they find articles, your campaign, where they can, where can they okay, support well, you? The, the link could be through uh, through Twitter. It's mm-hmm. uh, at no Saudi tune, okay, mm-hmm. T-O-N, T-O-O-N, or just very easy, uh, NUFC fans against sportswashing.com. Uh, net dot com whatever it's very easy to find just do a search in the pain but on the website there's loads and loads of articles there's also a couple of um campaigns that fans can get involved in mm-hmm. there's the local one to get to get uh councillors and mps to say something about human rights but the one which is i think has got legs and starting to take off is the notice um nation state ownership so we've got like a letter on there model letter you can send to your mp but also uh like we had recently uh, uh earlier in the summer, I think, but a meeting on Twitter. We just thought we'll, we'll try it. It's Twitter Spaces, and mm-hmm. uh, about no to nation state ownership. Four hundred people were listening, but, wow. which I think shows the the potential, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the website, you can follow the link to the to the fanzine, and there's three uh, editions of the fanzine, which is called um, uh, which is called Hailstones in the Desert. I just want to finish with, with why it's called yeah. Hailstones in the Desert, right? And the reason is because when we started the campaign. You got the usual, you know, bots and trolls who said, "Oh, you're all woke. You're, um, you know, <laughs> all, all the rest of it. That you're uh, snowflakes." Snowflakes. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, you know, the the people we've met online and you know in person, Saudi human rights activists are the hardest people I've ever met in my life. You know, mm-hmm. very very brave uh, people, very very principled uh, people. And far from being snowflakes, these people are hailstones. And, you know, they're, they're actually strong, strong people. So the, the, the fanzine's dedicated to them. It's de- dedicated to Saudi human rights activists because at the end of the day, it's not just about, you know, nation states mm-hmm. ruining our game. It's also your know, human lives are at stake here as well, you know? Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Thank you, John. We'll put the link um, and the Twitter page and everything in the episode description. Thank you for joining us, John, and we will have you back in the future, I'm sure. Ciao. Ciao. Podcast Network.